Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually now. Right? I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't no more sense. You know, yeah, there's something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Yes, sir. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Go get out of my face with that crazy that's, that's, stuff. That's, that's. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take, y'all know that. <laughs> or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad I guess that's my cue. Here's welcome to the show with no direction today. Only when you're really comfortable being uh, some type of a radio host can you even attempt to pull something like this off. Uh, basically, this is a show without a plan. Didn't map anything out. Just gonna get on here for the next hour and just talk sports, whatever comes to mind. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is uh, there was a very important basketball game last night. The NCAA championship went down. We did have a show yesterday. Amo Calamino and I discussed the NCAA championship game uh, yesterday on the show, and we did give our predictions. He took uh, the red guys, Wisconsin. I took the blue guys, Blue Devils, and it was the Blues that had it in the end. Uh, Duke prevails in the game last night, 68-63. to By all means, it was a very good game, nip and tuck all the way through. I think the largest lead by either team was nine, which was by Wisconsin. They did have a nine-point lead, and it looked like they were going to take command of the uh, of the basketball game at a certain point in the second half. But that was uh, not to be. Listen, it ended up being what I what I had thought it would be, and what I mentioned on the show yesterday. A lot of times in showdowns like this, uh, it comes down to the things that you don't see. And by that, I mean when we're talking about a basketball game, the things you see are 
uh, tremendous athleticism, uh, good defense, uh, great three-point shooters, uh, great low-post presence, um, you know, those type of things, rebounding, all those things you could see. And we can all see them as fans. You know, even a layperson can see those things. And this is a difficult thing about sports in, in you know, in trying to predict who's going to win what. Oftentimes, uh, the outcomes of sporting events has to do with the things that you don't see, which is experience, uh, which is uh, fatigue, uh, emotional energy spent, or a lack of motivation by one team or the other. Um, you usually don't have lack of motivation in a championship game such as this, so I don't think that was... Uh, a factor in last night's game, but I do think that Wisconsin expended a certain amount of energy in getting that win over Big Bad Kentucky. And I kind of knew going into this thing that if any team were able to knock Kentucky off, particularly in the late later part of uh, the basketball of the tournament, uh, that team would be in jeopardy of. Uh, either losing the next game or, or you know, not winning the whole thing. Uh, and that is just you only have a certain amount of emotional energy to expend uh, in sporting events, uh, you know, during a season, during a short amount of time. And uh, when you use it up, you use it up. Uh, it's kind of like gas in a car. And I felt like Wisconsin used up a lot of gas in their car when they beat Kentucky. So, Unfortunate for them because if I think if Wisconsin was on the side of the bracket that Duke was on, you know, if Wisconsin and Duke had exchanged places and both made it to the final destination, I think Wisconsin would have probably been your winner last night. But for Wisconsin to go through what they went through in their last game against Kentucky and to triumph in the way that they did and all of the emotion that they uh, put forth and uh, expended even after the game was over in celebration and the mental energy uh, that was used up in in uh, in beating Kentucky, I think really played against them when they ended up in a tough game against Duke last night. You just, I just don't think they had what they needed mentally to uh, come back in this ball game once things reversed on them in that second half. Just they didn't have the reserves necessary and needed to, um, you know, get back into this thing. So uh, I think that was a deal for them. Uh, So that's the way that it goes. Uh, Coach K gets his fifth national title uh, as as the coach of the Duke Blue Devils. No doubt a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, a lot of people hate Duke outside of Duke land, out of the North Carolina area. They're just not, you know, likable to folks outside of that area. And, you know, there are a number of reasons for that. What you can do, though, is uh, is respect them. You got to respect Coach K and what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, you got to respect the fact that he takes uh, – he has taken – uh, typically, and this is the case for them almost, you know, with most of these teams, taking a group of guys that are not big-time NBA prospects and uh, run them through the season, get them through the bracket, and win in the end. He's done it five times. So where do you place, um, you know, where do you place him in the whole lineup of college coaches of all time? Where do you put him? 
You know, is he at the top? Is uh, Who's ahead of him? Uh, where does he fit into all this? And, you know, mind you, he's not done. You know, he can be back again next year. And, you know, on any given year, he can run a team to uh, to the end and win the whole doggone thing, just like he did yesterday. You know, uh, we knew Duke had a good team coming into this season, but no one was saying Duke was going to be um, your champions. I didn't hear a whole lot of that. Uh, maybe, you know, the the talk of Duke possibly winning it got louder as we moved through this tournament. But going into the season, I don't think we had a tremendous amount of people saying that Duke was it. I mean, everyone was talking Kentucky, of course. They were the team with the undefeated streak. And, you know, talking about Kentucky, it is a very difficult thing to go through a season undefeated. And when you start getting to the end, the pressure really, really starts to mount up. And you start getting this feeling of, I wish we would have lost the game already to uh, relieve some of the pressure. And I think that's what ended up happening to Kentucky. And, and you know, how Kentucky's teams are constructed. They're young guys. going to be primarily freshmen, and that's a lot for them to deal with. In hindsight, it would have probably been in Kentucky's best interest to have lost uh, a game during the season. So they, they could have gotten that out of the way. I really think that had Kentucky lost a game during the season and had tasted defeat at least once during the season, they probably would have been the team cutting down the nets last night. But that is not the case. However, things unfolded and got rolled out at the end of the day. It is Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils once again on top of the college basketball world. They are the ones that uh, cut down the nets. And, uh, you, you know, College basketball fans are just going to have to be sick to their stomach as uh, Duke Blue Devil fans can rub it in everyone's face for the next 300-some-odd days. And that's just the way that it goes. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils are your are your winners. Again, 68-63 last night. Uh, we had opening day in baseball, uh, one of the biggest preseason favorites going into this thing. We've got everyone talking about the Washington Nationals. Uh, Well, they essentially came up short uh, in their game last night. Now, of course, we all know it's a very, very long season, so one should not get uh, too hung up on anything that goes on on the first day or the first month, to be quite honest with you. Um, So, you know, I don't know how much you you want to how much stock you want to put into that. Nevertheless, though, uh, just one of those things you need to report. Washington Nationals are going to have good pitching this year. I think everyone can agree on that, unless there's some sort of disaster that hits their pitching staff. Uh, and they did get good pitching last night, but they just couldn't hit the ball. Uh, the New York Mets walked out of this thing yesterday uh, as the winners in a three to one typical National League. Uh, baseball game, the uh, Nationals could only manage three hits against Bartolo Colon. I mean, how old is Bartolo Colon, by the way? I mean, how many years on that guy? I mean, he's he's running up on uh, uh, how many years as a pitcher. Nevertheless, he's your opening day starter for the Mets and uh, gets the job done. 1-0 on the year. Scherzer, the opening day starter for the Nationals. Um, and one of your top pitchers in uh, baseball does manage to uh, 
keep things in check for the most part. Just didn't get any help from his guys. The line for Scherzer, seven and two-thirds innings pitched. Only gave up four hits, but the uh, three runs were on his dime. Uh, for Cologne, he goes six innings. Only gives up three hits, one earned run. Uh, struck out eight, as did Scherzer. So great National League game. If you're a purist, you like defense, you like uh, pitching, you got what you wanted out of that game yesterday. A uh, couple of other things that went on on opening day real quick. The Yankees got their heads handed to them. Um, didn't get much by way of uh, pitching, although it was just really one bad inning for uh, the the Yankee starter in in that game, and you know it ended up it ended up being the end for him. They couldn't come back from it as Tanaka ended up giving up uh, five runs, I believe, in the third inning, and ended up with a six to one loss. So the Yankees start to post Derek Jeter era off with a uh, with a five run loss to Toronto. You know, and they, an American League East game they lose right off the bat. The Detroit Tigers, everyone talking about the pitching for the Nationals. Detroit comes out, and they post a shutout on uh, opening day, beating Minnesota 4 to nothing. Colorado also posting a shutout. How about that? On the road at Milwaukee, 10-0. Boston also posting a shutout. No one trying to hit the baseball yesterday in uh, some of these losses. Boston, an 8 nothing winner over Philadelphia. Baltimore, 6-2, went over Tampa Bay. We already talked about the Mets defeating the Nationals, Kansas City, uh, trying to let everyone know last year was not a fluke. They come out and hammer the White Sox 10-1. to Angels start off on the losing end. Seattle beats them 4-1. to Cincinnati runs out. They're, uh, they run out a win over Pittsburgh, who some, uh, some uh, very brave people have being in the World Series. Cincinnati does beat them, though, on opening day uh, 5-2. to the uh, Dodgers, who uh, a lot of people like this year, end up beating San Diego 6-3. to three. Uh, For the locals down here in the Miami area where I am located, the uh, Marlins start off the 2015 campaign as losers. Not a whole lot of excitement there for you offense, offense junkies. The uh, Braves come into town and beat the uh, Marlins 2-1. to one. Houston, a 2 nothing winner over Cleveland. San Francisco, 5-4 win over Arizona. And uh, and in Oakland, and another shutout. Oakland beats Texas eight to nothing. So how many shutouts is that that we had yesterday? One, two, uh, three, four, five, five shutouts yesterday. Very uh, very interesting. We just didn't have any hitting to start off this thing uh, from several clubs. So um, just some quick uh, a quick update and recap of the way things went down on opening day. Uh, yesterday and so that was your opening day of baseball for many of you you're going to follow that first day uh, opening day and then that's going to be it for you until the world series or maybe the last game if your favorite team doesn't make it that's kind of where baseball is right now so uh, I don't know what they do about that sport perhaps that's a perhaps that's a topic we could have here on the show today what could baseball what could major league baseball do to bring you back in the fold I have a topic I'd like to bring up why are blacks, African-Americans, people of color outside of those in the Latin American countries, why aren't they playing baseball here in the United States of good old America? We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. 
You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Here on the Gridiron Stud Show, ten eighteen, open topic show today. I'm just talking, just out here talking, no real plan. It's the show without a plan today, and uh, that's me, totally winging it. Anyone here ever have to do a presentation in school in front of the class, and you didn't prepare anything, no notes, uh, you skimmed through a couple of topics having to do with your issue, and uh, went up there and just totally winged it in front of the classroom? Anyone ever done that? I'm sure you all have. Uh, I'm sure a ton of my listeners have done that. What grade did you get on it? Some folks are totally capable of winging it like that. Some people actually are better at winging it than planning it out. I'm kind of one of those people. So uh, that's exactly what the Gridiron Stud Show is today, on this day, April 7th. 2015, a total winging it of sorts. 
So that's what we've got going on. All right, look, before we went to the break, introduced the topic of why aren't blacks playing baseball in the good old United States. Um, now, you may see you may see some blacks on the Major League Baseball diamond. Don't get confused. Uh, try to have a conversation with them, and you're going to get a whole lot of Spanish and some broken English because nine times out of ten, they're going to be from the Dominican Republic or they're going to be, uh, you know, perhaps Cuban that made his way out or, uh, you know, something along those lines. Colombian, don't get fooled, man. Don't go up there trying to dap the brother up and find out he don't know what the hell you're doing. He's from some Latin American country where baseball is king. Many of these Latin American countries. Um, kids aren't sitting around on Xbox and PlayStation, just not a part of the culture for many reasons. So they're out there in the street with a narrow stick hitting a pebble or a ball of tape. Uh, developing their hand-eye coordination. And there really aren't any distractions from that endeavor, that pursuit. On top of that, uh, many of them have people from their area who have made it out there and are currently starring on television in the United States as Major League Baseball players making millions of dollars. And so this is what they choose to pursue. This is not the case for folks of color here in the United States. There are a number of things that are going on. And it's starting really at the youth levels, because this is something that I live. The major, baseball, baseball for young African Americans, they're being priced out of the market in, in baseball. And what do I mean by that is uh, there used to be a time where you could just go to the local park and uh, join the baseball league that plays in the spring, probably going to play from February March uh, into May, maybe June, played on that team. You know, everyone went out there, signed up, and then you had some coaches go out and basically have a draft after they have a, a massive tryout. And that was it, February to May, June. Uh, that was baseball season, and that's where you honed and developed your baseball skills. And uh, perhaps you moved on to high school and you played high school baseball if you were good enough, and uh, you were seen by by scouts, Major League Baseball scouts or, you know, college baseball recruiters, and uh, that was the process. That is no longer the case. Uh, basically, those spring leagues and the youth levels from, uh, you know, that run from February, March into May, June are no longer adequate for developing the top baseball players. It's really where the lesser players go because all of the big time quote unquote big time youth players are playing what is travel baseball. And what's travel baseball mean? Um it means you put together some type of an all star team of the best players that you can uh accumulate and that's code for recruit in your local area. You grab the best players that you can. And then uh, you go and you travel from park to park and play in tournaments. And uh, the league or the travel baseball team doesn't just play from February to May or June. That's not what goes on. It is year-round. And the coach of this travel team expects you to be with the team year-round. 
round. So that means you're not playing basketball, you're not playing football, you're not running track, you're playing baseball year round. And that is, uh, I feel, in my opinion, one of the ways that you're shutting out some of your better athletes out of the game of baseball. Uh, I feel that uh, a lot of these coaches have kids and friends with kids who are not the best of athletes. And the way to even the playing fields for them, right, wrong, or indifferent, is to have this year-round travel league and hide behind the fact that these kids are with the team all year long as reasons to have them as starters on the team, as the ones getting the majority of the playing time, and deny opportunities to some of the better athletes that are available to play the game. And the better athletes are going to be the kids that can leave the baseball diamond in May or June and go play football. And when football's over in November, they can go play basketball from November until February and then return to the baseball diamond. But those that are doing that now are being told by the year-round travel baseball coach who really has the power because, you know, travel baseball is where it's at. It's where the top players are, are being told by the travel coach, hey, listen, you're not going to be playing over so-and-so because, you know, I haven't seen you for six months and he's been here feeling ground balls and hitting off the tee for the last six months while you were off playing these other sports. So not as athletic Timmy or Jimmy gets to be your shortstop. And you that went and played basketball or ran track and played football, well, you can go play in right field and you can switch off with uh, the other kid that we have out in right field that's not all that great of a player. But, hell, he's been here all year long. Why has he been here all year long? Because he really can't play any other sport with any amount of proficiency. Not going to be really that great of a basketball player. Uh, probably scared to death to put on the pads and play on the football field. So baseball is going to be his thing. And uh, I feel like some of these coaches are monopolizing it. You know, it's a way for a son to have some kind of athletic glory when they may not be all that athletic. They get to park themselves as shortstop. Uh, in the 10 and under, 11 and under, and 12 and under travel league. And that's it. They're monopolizing all the spots. And then on top of that, it costs a certain amount of money to play travel baseball. So unless you have one big-time sponsor, and you do have that too, you have a big-time sponsor sometimes that comes in. He's got a lot of money, kids on the team. Uh, A lot of times kids not that great of a player, but he has promised a position on the diamond playing time because dad's going to bankroll the activities of the team. So that means he's going to buy all the uniforms, which can get quite expensive. He will pay for all of the travel accommodations to go to tournaments. He'll pay the tournament entrance fee. He'll pay for food. He'll pay for anything that his money can buy. And uh, his son will monopolize a spot on the diamond. So coach's kid is a shortstop. A money bankroll guy's kid is the second baseman or the third baseman or, you know, maybe the first baseman. They're getting all the action. And then, uh, you know, your athletes are, well, they ride the pine or they come in and pinch run 
you know, basically a job that some of these other kids can't do. Am I hitting home here? Uh, am, I, am I pushing some buttons? I know that I am, but that's how this thing goes. And then years later, when uh, these tremendous athletes go to high school and they, you know, they're done with baseball because, quite frankly, a highly active, very athletic kid who's used to playing basketball and football and mixing it up with nonstop action is just not going to really uh, find any pleasure at all in sitting in a dugout for inning after inning as a substitute player who gets called upon at times to go steal a base or run from second all the way home on a base hit or a pass ball or something like that or uh, be a platoon man in the outfield somewhere. They're just not going to find a whole lot of pleasure in that. If they can't whip out their smartphone and jump on Twitter and Facebook while they sit there in the dugout aimlessly passing the time before they are quote-unquote needed, their athleticism is needed, um, it's just not going to ride for them. So uh, by the time they get to high school, they're done with the game of baseball. In their opinion, it's just boring or it's a bunch of BS with these these guys that they got playing ahead of me. So that's uh, the situation. So now they gravitate more to basketball. They gravitate more to football because it's more their speed. They're going to go run track. Some of them even go play soccer. And they're just done with the whole baseball thing because it's been monopolized by those with the money and uh, the power. I watched this as my two boys came up. And I'm still watching it go on. It's going on with even more regularity in the Travel Baseball League. So for those of you out there who may be wondering why you don't see a whole bunch of African Americans on the baseball diamond anymore, at the root levels, that is exactly what is going on. And I'm venturing to say that this is probably the case in a lot of sports as we're going on now. People are using, it's got adults using the whole travel league thing to monopolize spots for people that they want to play in their sport. And they're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the really good athletes that we have, uh, very good young athletes that we have in this country that are able to play multiple sports. They are pressuring them. So the basketball coach wants the basketball player all year long. You know, when summer comes around and he should be training with the football team, the basketball coach is insisting that so-and-so needs to be in there shooting jumpers. And he's going to be at odds with the football coach. You can't understand why a kid could not spend some time away from his sport to go play another one. That's the selfishness that we've got going on in youth athletics here. And what's going to be the end result of that? Uh I have no idea. We're, you know, the Bo Jacksons of the world, the Deion Sanders of the world, I don't know. Perhaps we're setting up a situation where we don't get that anymore. It's getting more and more difficult now to buck that trend where you could just walk away from the diamond and then show back up because some egotistical travel baseball coach is going to cut you off at the knees, knowing full well He should be spending his time, resource, and knowledge into developing the really good athlete that he's got riding a pine in his dugout 
He's not going to do that because he needs to spend time developing all of his friends' kids and uh, Dr. Bankroll's kid. Doc, don't forget, Dr. Bank. Listen, that's just the way Dr. Bankroll's kid has to play. You're not getting the five thousand or ten thousand dollar donation from big money guy if his son's not out on the diamond. So there's just no way around that. So right off rip, if head baseball coach is not the money guy. You got already right now two spots on the diamond taken, locked up for sure. Before you even go to the tryout, locked up for sure. Head coach's son, manager's son, going to be the shortstop. Dr. Bankroll guy, going to probably have some place in the infield unless he's so bad of an athlete, so uncoordinated, that a live ground ball might turn his face into hamburger, in which case he will take some spot in the outfield. And damn it, it just might be center field. Some of the things that I've seen used to combat this has been uh, have been, um, you know, some of the parents of the top athletes deciding to start their own travel baseball team. Seen that done, and they try to accumulate some of the best athletes that they have and attempt to play travel baseball during the football season. I did that one year with my older son. It was a disaster. Coming from a Saturday morning football game, going to get something to eat, and rushing over to the baseball diamond. Sounds like a great idea. You got, you, you're making yourself a little mini Deion Sanders. Not in, in theory, yeah. Uh, in, in actuality, not a good idea. The kid's done with a Saturday morning football game. He really needs time to unwind and be a kid. Go play in the pool. Go run around outside and do some unscheduled, unregulated event. Or go play PlayStation at a friend's house. Just go. You need time to just go hang out with your friends. So some may argue, oh, well, Deion Sanders probably played all day. He did. Probably not all regulated sports activities, though. Maybe he did play a Saturday morning football game. And then if he played baseball or basketball later on that day, it was probably him and some friends at a park and not some coach barking at him, instruction, and micromanaging his every move on the court or the diamond. And that's exactly what we've got going on. But nevertheless, that's what you see. That's what you have taken place. So a couple of the dads, a couple of the football dads who may have indulged in baseball to a certain level or degree when they were younger are going to grab all their kids together and a couple of the other disenfranchised good athletes, usually the black kids, so you're going to end up with an all-black baseball team. Maybe a couple of other kids thrown in there that are also good athletes that are getting a shaft by the big-time travel baseball coach, and they're going to put their team together and go around and play and have a certain amount of success, ultimately not going to win because the coaching's not going to be at the top level and it's just not going to be as um, organized and put together as the uh, big-time travel baseball coach. You're going to have inexperienced dads coaching the game of baseball and not going to be able to really hone in on the fundamentals of the game in the manner in which it uh, should be done. And then on top of that, you are still indeed attempting to play a travel baseball season 
while another season is going on, whether that's football or basketball or even track. So the athlete is dividing their time between the baseball and another sport. And ultimately, that's not a good deal. Whether they're getting good fundamental coaching on the baseball diamond or not, not the greatest of things when you're dividing your time with football. Because the football thing's competitive too. So even when the games are over, some of the coaches or dads want to talk about football. Need to go over a few things so we can win our game next week. Get our revenge. The big game coming up next week. And then if you're in the mid smack dab in the middle of football season, when do you hold baseball practices? When do you do that? Tuesdays and Thursdays? You practice once a week and then play a travel baseball game on Saturday? How good are you going to be? How good is that kid going to be at his skills? So travel baseball, year-round travel baseball, killing the sport for African Americans. Whereas your Hispanic, your black Hispanics from Latin American countries don't have the football problem, don't have the basketball problem, don't have the track problem. They're playing year-round. There's no snow to worry about in Santo Domingo. None. Sun's up 24-7. 365. So they're out there with that stick, hitting that piece of tape or that rock or that pebble 365 days out of the year. So what to do? I don't particularly have an answer for that. It'd be nice if we could go back to the old days where you could play baseball from February to May. Would be nice and then leave the baseball diamond in May, early June, go have some kind of a summer for a couple of weeks in June. You know? Go think you've fallen in love with some girl for three weeks in June. Break up with her around football season, starting football practice in July. Play your football season from uh, July till November. Hop on the basketball court from, uh, you know, November, December, into February. And then come back to the baseball diamond. It'd be nice, but that's probably not going to happen. This year-round travel thing being monopolized by these guys, it seems to be working out just fine. Now, mind you, um, a lot of these travel kids, the travel baseball, quote-unquote, studs and others who put in their year-round time as youth guys go to, Go to high school and you never really hear from them again. Because at some point, the athleticism or lack of it kills their game. And they're just not a prospect. All the while, they stole time away from someone who would be athletic enough if uh, someone was able to develop them. And we could crank out some of the best players um, that this country has to offer. Because you're going to be, you're going to have an athlete who developed the skills of the game and was able to play it. But you've got these kids uh, and their parents robbing those athletes of that opportunity, and those kids get to get to high school and they're just not it. They can't hack it. You just don't hear from them again. Most of them. 
And you just really don't hear from bankroll guy's kid. That was just a toy for him. And they move on to the next thing that their money can monopolize and buy them. All the while, two or three kids uh, have been robbed of an opportunity in in the wake of this uh, whole money spending spree that they've uh, unleashed so that their kid could be out on the field and get the glory and take the pictures and tell people he did this and that on the baseball field. That's how it goes down. Those are the Coors Light cold hard facts as it relates to why African Americans are not playing baseball in the major leagues. You heard it here first. You can cry about it, debate about it. You can oppose it. If you are a travel baseball coach guy or bankroll of travel baseball team guy and you hear what I'm saying, you don't like it, feel free to call 347-633-9365. 347-633-9365. I'd welcome your call on this. Debate me on it because I lived it, went through it, saw it firsthand. It's still going on. We're going to take a break when we get back. The NFL draft is coming up, and I've got some thoughts on what should happen in the first round for the NFC East teams. Talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting, we've got people visiting, we've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now.
1044 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I probably ruffled some feathers on that last segment talking about why African Americans are not in the game of Major League Baseball. Would be nice to see them running around out there. Would be nice to see us brothers on the baseball diamond. It is or was at one point the national pastime. Be nice if we were able to participate, but we're getting extinguished and snuffed out at the youth levels. If you missed that segment, uh, you might want to pick up the archive later. I'll post the link on Twitter. Very interesting. And shame on you youth travel baseball coaches for what you do. If you truly cared about the sport and doing what's right, you would uh, develop all players that come to you. And that doesn't need to be done uh, at the expense of your child. Have your child play alongside those athletes and you give them time. Don't monopolize all the time and put these really good athletic kids on the bench. There's got to be a certain amount of good feeling you get watching a kid that you put some time into and develop make it to the big leagues. Is there not any joy in that? I had my oldest son on a travel baseball team, and he was getting done in the manner that I uh, proposed in the last segment. And this wasn't the father coaching the baseball team. It was the uncle, which sometimes can be even worse. Because, you know, sometimes the uncle is just there for all the good times, and he just wants to make he – he just wants to – have the nephew have a good time all the time. There's even less tough love sometimes with the uncle. Nevertheless, uncle had son, uh, had nephew, monopolizing his place in the lineup. Now, he wasn't a shortstop. There's just no way in hell that was going to happen. Just couldn't, didn't have the uh, necessary athleticism for the team to be a success if he was playing at shortstop. So uh, he was the first baseman. And the cleanup hitter, of course. And then uh, an assistant coach's dad. Have a couple of assistant coaches that were dads. Their kids aren't playing any other sport. Year-round baseball. Not athletic enough to do anything else in any other sport. Not willing to give it a try. They were on the team year-round. They played. And my athletically gifted son, very little time was put into developing him. It was almost some type of resentment for him being out there. And if we do put any time into this kid, he might turn into a monster out here, and then we can't play our son. I would never have made that suggestion if that were to be the case. You can share time with your kid. I get that you're putting in time as a coach. I get that. I understand that. And your kid should get time to play. I think all those kids out there should probably get some time to play. But, you know, when it starts to be less about the kids and more about you holding up a trophy and taking a picture next to it and being able to say to your comrades or your cronies, oh, yeah, we won the tournament this weekend, when that gets to be too much a part of the story, then you do stuff like uh, keep kids in and you don't try to develop all your kids and you deny playing time to others because it's just so damn important to win. And sometimes the pressure is not always from within the, the travel baseball coach. It's going to come from... Uh, the parents, some of them do have 
you know, kids that are pretty good players at that youth level. And the egotistical dad wants them to win every tournament. And if you don't win a tournament because some kid out there who's not as highly skilled at the moment is playing, and maybe there's an error or two or a strikeout in a key moment, this guy's going to lose it and put pressure and threaten to withdraw his kid, who is a good player, might be the leadoff batter, might be the cleanup batter, might be a really good uh, third baseman or second baseman, or maybe even the shortstop of the team. He's going to threaten to pull him and take him over to the other team, the green dogs or the red dogs or the black dogs. I'm going to take him over to the team across town, the other travel team. And the coach just doesn't want the pressure of lining up in the tournament against the green dogs and having the kid that left his team be the one to absolutely crush him. That's the crap that goes on. So in the process, you don't develop. So we had that situation going on with my oldest son. And I'm taking him to the batting cages at odd hours when we could get a chance in. Got the tee set up in the garage. He's hitting the balls off the tee after football practice. This is the mania that goes on. Got a day off from school. We're at some park out there by ourselves, fielding grounders so he can compete and get his playing time and show those guys when he got an opportunity that he is worthy of their eyeballs, their time, and their development. Here, I'm out there. Got orange dirt over on every damn sneaker that I own. Nothing will turn your fresh pair of Nikes into... I mow the lawn specials than going anywhere near a baseball diamond and I'm getting that orange dust on it. It's over. Now those are the shoes you wear to go edge and trim the lawn. Nevertheless, out there doing that, putting the poor kid through all that, and yeah, you know, they learn a little something about grinding for, you know, what it is that they want. All those lessons got passed on to my kids. And to be quite honest with you, a lot of my son's work ethics, which both of them do have very good work ethic, I think a lot of that came from the whole baseball deal. Going out there and hitting multiple, uh, going out there for several hours and hitting the ball off the tee to try and hone your craft and be very good at the sport where failure is a big part of it. 70% of the time you're failing, just putting in the work to try to be the best at that, fielding all those ground balls, catching all those fly balls for multiple hours. I think the work ethic came from that I really honestly do nevertheless just was never good enough they never wanted to put the time in and by time I mean put the kid out on the diamond as much as he should and let the athleticism marry with the skill so that uh, he could become a really good player who could possibly develop his love for the game take it with him to high school continue to play Right now, my oldest is six foot two, two hundred and ten, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and can run like the wind. If I must, if I don't say so myself, what would that look like on a baseball diamond right now? Everyone makes, uh, they talk a lot about Yassel P, and what a great athlete he is, and he is that well put together. Yeah, that could be my son right now, playing the game of baseball. Six, two, two hundred fifteen pounds would probably be murdering the baseball, could probably be a five-tool player. Wants nothing to do with baseball. Done with it by the time he got to high school. Just enough with these guys already and their BS. Done with it. My younger son was a switch-hitting speedster. 
with tremendous athletic ability. Those guys didn't want to put the time in. God forbid if we put some time into this great athlete and we make the next damn Ozzie Smith. What's that mean for my son? means I can never put him on the diamond again. So I went through this whole deal, and I did something, uh, which was the end of travel baseball for my oldest son. I did something that really goes against my principles, and I've always told them, we don't quit anything. You start, you start a sport, you start an activity, you start an event, you finish it. You go through it, you go through the adversity, and you just deal. But at a certain point, uh another factor took over, and that is at a certain point, you just got to stand up for yourself. So that point in time came. We went to a tournament. Son had been practicing for a couple of weeks for this tournament that they kept talking about. He's sitting there waiting for his opportunity to play in one of these games and some of them against some of the rivals that the kids were getting all geeked up about possibly playing in this tournament. And there he was putting in his time, and Lord knows we put our time away from the diamond into it. A lot of hours put into it. Felt like he'd made some great strides and that he was going to have an opportunity to put his skills and athleticism to work. And what did the coach do? On the day of the tournament, he had a player from one of the other teams show up to play on our team and immediately went out on the diamond and left my son on the bench. And after watching this multiple games in the tournament, game was over. Finally just said, hey, come on, kid, let's go. Grab your bag, grab your stuff. And told the coach, hey, we're done. We're done with you. He's like, oh, coach, I disagree with that. Dad, I disagree with that. I don't give a damn what you agree. I disagree with all of what you're doing, and I think I've seen enough. And that was it. Dropped the bag in the car, and that was the end. Travel baseball was done with. Did manage to, did manage to re, to keep enough love for baseball with a little bit of my coaxing to go back out the next season and just play in a regular normal league. I probably the most fun he'd ever had playing baseball. Just went out there and played from February to May in house league as they call it, and was just fine. Pitched, played outfield. Looked like a future star on the diamond. But at the end of the day, just so much love had been lost in the whole travel baseball experience that though he had a great deal of amount of success in the in-house league, didn't want anything to do with baseball as it went on. And same thing happened to my youngest, even though he held on maybe perhaps a little bit longer. But that's what's going on. This what I just laid out for you. My experience is 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 the experience for a great deal of amount of African Americans trying to play baseball, just not being given those opportunities, being denied those opportunities, being ripped away from them at the youth levels by overzealous dads who become coaches. And the whole travel baseball experience becomes this one big great toy for their sons. It literally is a toy. It's just like them going out and buying an Xbox and handing them and say, son, have a great time. It's the exact thing that they're doing. 
here, I'm going to form this team, and if I've got the money, I'll pay for everything. If not, i got a buddy whose son plays baseball, who's got money. He's going to do it. We're going to create this really great big toy for you. You can go out there and smile and say you were on the shortstop, in the third baseman, second baseman, hit cleanup on the travel team that went to all these tournaments in all these towns. You're going to have a great experience, and in the process, we'll just screw over some of these other kids. No biggie. We don't got to worry about them because after the whole travel baseball experience is done, I don't ever have to see those kids again, ever. Meanwhile, the smile on your face after you've played all seven or nine innings as the shortstop on the travel team that played in the championship game or won the championship, oh, that's priceless. That lasts forever, and I have no conscience about anything how anyone else got rolled over. That's, that's what's going on. If you're ever wondering, that's how it went down, people. That's how it's going down across the country. So when you're looking out there and you're wondering why there are no African Americans playing baseball, it's starting there. And then, let's be honest, some these basketball players are spending all year long on the basketball court too, and now football is turning into an all-year thing. Football season's over, it's seven-on-seven seven time. All sports specialization. But now the green light is there for them to do that because they're now they're not going to get a fair shake on the baseball diamond, just not going to happen. You see an African American playing baseball now, early 20s, late teens, chances are that kid is a baseball player and that's it. Played travel baseball, played year round growing up. Maybe he dibble dabbled in basketball here and there, played a season here or two of youth football, decided he didn't like it, played baseball year round. So you know, that's really the only way now African Americans, the small handful, are going to do it. And let's face it, how many African-American kids are not, that are athletic are not going to play basketball or football? It's not in their DNA to not play those sports. So you're only going to get a small handful that say, I'm a full-time baseball player and can uh, deal with all the politics. And maybe in that case, the travel baseball coach has no choice but to play this kid because he was with me from December to November. Got to play him. And on top of that, you know what? He can win some games for me. So maybe he is a pitcher, and I'll throw him out there. And he'll throw 200 innings for me this year. That's the next crap that's going on. But I got to leave that for another time. So lo and behold, I, listen, I filled up a great part of this show with travel baseball. Who knew that would take over my show today? But I started on a rant, and I just couldn't finish. I hate the way those things are done. Just really, really pisses me off. I hope a lot of you listening to this really put an eye to what the heck is going on there with that. All right, real quick, let's talk about the uh, NFL draft that's going to be here May 2nd. Draft used to be in early April, but here it is in May. Real quick, the uh, AFC East. The New England Patriots casted off both Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner. Pats are no strangers to dumping large salaries, even from stars. They've had guys that they have won multiple Super Bowls with and told them, hey, your time's up here. We're not going to meet your contract demands. 
They're very shrewd when it comes to contract negotiations and spending money. It's a big part of the reason why they've been the most successful franchise over the last decade and a half. And so they, in continuing with that practice, they let loose both of the uh, all-star corners, Brandon Browner and Darrell Rivas. So clearly they need to make a replacement there. And so some mock drafts do have the uh, New England Patriots picking up a cornerback. Many are saying uh, Byron Jones from Connecticut, him of the big-time leap. Maybe he's a good pick for them there. I've got another name. There's a guy out in the corner of the United States at Oregon State named Stephen Nelson that is a bona fide big-time cover guy that makes plays and is hard-nosed. He is uh, the young version of Darrell Rivas, and he's just not getting his enough attention, if you ask me. And he is so much a New England Patriot-type player, very much the Ty Law type, very much uh, the Darrell Rivas type. As you can see, Darrell Rivas fit in very well with what the uh, New England Patriots like to do defensively, just the whole... Um, mindset that they have there. Steven Nelson is that guy. I like him for the Patriots over a Byron Jones. You can get all hung up and caught up in Byron Jones's amazing leap. You know, what he did at the Combine. Forget how far he jumped, but it was amazing. But for me, for the New England Patriots, I'm telling you, Stephen Nelson, the best fit possible for them is the Patriots as the Super Bowl champs pick at the bottom of the draft. The New York Jets, listen, I've been listening to this now the whole offseason, uh, how bad they are at the quarterback position. I'm listening to people badmouth Geno Smith. Yes, he did not have the greatest rookie season. Has not had a great career so far for the New York Jets. Uh, what's he working with? Not much. What does he have for weapons there? Not a whole hell of a lot. Anyone care to look at that or we're just going to gloss over that whole thing? We were so patient at first with Mark Sanchez. But Geno Smith, yeah, he sucks. Ryan Fitzpatrick's brought in. And he's supposed to be a legitimate challenge. He's supposed to be an upgrade to Geno Smith. That one drives me nuts. Who was Geno Smith throwing to last year? Percy Harvin for half a year? Eric Decker? Really? That's a number one guy for you? There's nothing there, okay? They brought in Brandon Marshall. Okay, that's great. We got a veteran. How about you draft a guy that Geno Smith can grow up with in this NFL game? Smith's real good with building relationships with wide receivers. Been doing it since high school. Can you get him a guy around his age that he can grow up with? All of the greats had something like that. You know, Duper and Clayton came in around Marino time. Rice not too long after Montana. Stallworth and Swan not too long after you got Bradshaw. Michael Irvin, 
grew up, Troy Aikman. Can you help Geno out with that, or are you just going to keep downgrading him? So how about the New York Jets go out and draft Amari Cooper? How about you go do that? Before we got into the whole underwear Olympics, Amari Cooper was uh, the best thing since sliced bread at the wide receiver position. And in my opinion, still the best wide receiver out there. But since everyone's hung up on Kevin White, who is a very good receiver, you can uh, go ahead and let someone ahead of the New York Jets take White. And uh, the consensus is that will be the Oakland Raiders, who love speedy guys. And then when the Jets' turn comes up at six, how about the New York Jets go out and pick up Amari Cooper and pair him again with Geno Smith? And I say again because these two played on the same Travel all-star, seven-on-seven team known as South Florida Express, so they have a little bit of a history with each other. It would be great to kind of reunite these guys and see what Geno Smith can do when you start putting some weapons around him. Doesn't really have a big-time running game. I guess Chris Ivory will be okay. Let's address that whole wide receiver thing. So you can have Marshall on one side, get Amari Cooper worked into the fold on the other side. How long are you going to have Brandon Marshall? It's not a long-term uh, solution to your wide receiver position, but maybe someone like a Brandon Marshall can tutor on Amari Cooper, who's um, a good student of the game and coachable and teachable. And I'm sure Brandon Marshall will relish the opportunity to uh, coach up an understudy and uh, give someone for Geno Smith to grow up with. So Amari Cooper, my pick for the New York Jets. The Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have quite a few needs which is why I was not very high on them signing a Dominican Sioux to that big, huge contract, because you're not going to be able to address several areas that need addressing for the Miami Dolphins. But if you, uh, you're there and you've got to make your pick, and the Dolphins are picking 14th, and everyone's going to put a gun to their mouth if they pick anyone on the offensive line, word is that that's not going to happen. I'm quite okay Right, the Dolphins, who just, you know, everyone's talked about this, fans have bemoaned this fact. Who are they going to throw the ball to? Who are the wide receivers? They were already struggling at that spot, and they just let guys go out of there. Picked up Kenny Stills. That's not going to bowl anyone over. Nice little solid wide receiver, which seems to be all the Dolphins have been able to have in recent years. Nice, solid guys. Nothing dynamic. Rashard Matthews and Jarvis Landry, he was a good third-down possession type wide receiver. Where's the guy to stretch the field? They can answer that with a Jalen Strong from Arizona State or a Devontae Parker. These two guys are neck and neck for me. Devontae Parker has a longer resume. Jalen Strong has a bigger resume over the last two years. I think you're good either way. Strong, a bigger prospect physically, but you can't deny his production in his uh, last two seasons of college football, over 1,000 yards those last two years, and uh, shows signs of being dominant. Does have that element to him. Same for Devontae Parker, who missed some games last year. I'm pretty sure he'd have been a 1,000-yard receiver. Double-digit touchdowns his sophomore and junior year. 10 as a sophomore, 12 as a junior. 
Only five last year. Again, missed several games due to injury. Dolphins would be, I think, well off if they were able to do it. The Dolphins have got to get themselves a big-time wide receiver. Got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. And pray to God that Lamar Miller can be your dynamic every down back. If not, you're going to have to address that uh, in next year's draft, I, I presume. But if you're going to go with Ryan Tannehill, that's if you're stuck with that being your guy, get him some weapons. Best way to mask a guy's limitations is to put great players around him. And Tannehill has a few. He has a few limitations, to say the least. So let's get him a dynamic guy that could stretch the field and allow Landry and uh, Kenny Stills to work underneath and do their thing. Right now, you don't have a guy that could go down the field and scare the hell out of a safety or a corner. You could pick one up in the draft. Jalen Strong and Devontae Parker. The Buffalo Bills don't have a first-round pick, so I'd be right. I'd be well within my right to just, you know, take a flyer on them and not uh, offer any analysis on what they should do. They don't have a first-round pick. When you look at Buffalo, they listen, on paper, they're fine in, in a lot of their areas. They're They're good on defense. They've got some names there. They've got some guys that make plays. They've got what they need to have a pass rush. They picked up Shady McCoy at the running back spot, so they should be okay there. Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods at wide receiver, that's a good young start. Bill's biggest problem, inconsistency at the quarterback position. And they were another one that were, you know, they're a head-scratcher for me. And should come as no surprise because they got the coach, That came from the other place that's the head-scratcher. So, you know, I I don't understand what the Buffalo Bills really did there in bringing in Matt Castle. Don't understand. I think they're pretty much saying they don't think E.J. Manuel's their guy. So if not, and, you know, I don't know the salary cap ramifications of this, But if it can be worked out financially, go ahead and, you know, draft the guy. And the Bills don't have a draft pick until the second round, Fifty, pick number 50. If the Bills have the opportunity to do so, I think they should try and make a play to get themselves, you know, they may have to move up to do so. But Brett Hundley, word is the uh, St. Louis Rams are looking at a Brett Hundley. I think the Bills should try and make a play for a Brett Hundley in the second round. And he'll be available in the second round. I don't think he's going to go in the first round. just don't see that happening. But the Bills' biggest problem is inconsistency at the quarterback position. Get a Brett Hundley in there. Maybe Matt Castle or E.J. Manuel's your guy this year. You know, Hundley's not ready to step right in. Or maybe he is. He's athletic enough. He could get by on that. Get something dynamic. Get something... Get some get some stability. Get a future at the at the quarterback position, or the Bills will just be heartache every year. So that's how I'm laying it out. I think the Patriots should draft Stephen Nelson, cornerback out of Oregon State, at 32. The Dolphins picking at 14 would do right to get either a Jalen Strong or Devontae Parker. The New York Jets, who are picking, let me check this real quick, 
Where are the Jets picking? Hold on, need to find that for you real quick. New York Jets have the sixth pick overall. People are saying Randy Gregory or Shane Ray. Uh, get yourself a weapon for Geno Smith. I like Amari Cooper for them at number six, and he could very well be available. Many saying the uh, Bears at seven will take him. I would love it if the New York Jets woke up and got some weapons for Geno Smith. He needs him. So like Amari Cooper at number six for the New York Jets, and the Buffalo Bills don't have a first-round pick, I am suggesting that they make an attempt at getting Brett Hundley in the second round. They have pick number 50. They may have to do a little uh, trade or jostling to move up. Uh, it would be in their best interest to try and get something solid, or if not completely solid, dynamic at the quarterback position so that they can get some plays made from that position. And the Bills can actually do something this year if they're able to do something like that. Just my little advice to those guys. You know, no football guru or anything, but, well, maybe I am. Maybe I am a football guru. I tend to be right about a lot of these things that have to do with this. Will this stuff happen? No. Pats probably won't draft a Steven Nelson, although, hey, they're pretty good with personnel. So maybe they see it as I see it. Maybe they see Nelson as a New England Patriots-type guy, New England Patriots-type corner. They're most likely to do, make that type of smart move. What the Dolphins will do is anyone's guess. Damn it, they got to get a receiver that can make some plays. I, I don't expect the Jets to get Amari Cooper. It'd be nice. And the Bills are going to do something silly and think they're going to win the games they want to win this year with a combination of Matt Castle and E.J. Manuel. God bless them. Be nice if they did what I said and try to get a uh, get Hundley, the quarterback. All right, that's it for my show. Not too bad. I found some things to talk about here on my unplanned Gridiron Stud show. I want to thank all of you who listened to the show today. Appreciate you doing so. Uh, stay tuned for an announcement as to whether or not I will have a Wednesday night show. Uh, tomorrow during the day, I am on 880 AM down here locally in South Florida. 880 AM, Gray Zone Media. Get this, it's a business radio station. And I'm going on a political talk show. They are giving me a sports segment. I've been doing this for the last four or five weeks. I have a sports segment that starts at 945. I do chime in, though, on some of the uh, topics and issues brought up politically, the political issues that are brought up. I'm not a complete meathead. I do know something outside of the game of sports. So I'm on from 9 to 10 on uh, with the boys from Gray Zone Media on 8.80 a.m. The Biz tomorrow from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you all for listening, and I uh, look forward to the next time I can spend with you here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your day. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.